It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. What an amazing passage of Scripture. Because in those two verses, there's four callings for the people of God unveiled. Titles that rest upon you, names that God has given you. And you and I need to dare to say, I am who God says I am. And right here, God declares who we are. Listen to it and be amazed. Coming to him is speaking of Jesus as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what's the revelation here? That you are living stones, you are a spiritual house, you are a holy priesthood, and you are called to be a living sacrifice to God. Strangely, God has moved us in the New Testament to a much higher level spiritually, but it reflects this Old Testament level of doing things. Because in that era, the people brought their sacrifices to the temple where they met with the priests who reconciled them to God. But in the New Testament era, we become the sacrifice, we become the priests, we become the temple of God. And so it was all about us, not in an egotistical sense, but it was all about us all the while because God was not satisfied with that Old Testament way of doing things. Why? Because an inanimate structure, a lifeless structure like a building made out of blocks, the temple of Solomon, could not love God back, nor could it reflect God's character, nor could it act as a spokesperson for him. And so those three things were absent. God wanted a temple that could love him back, a temple that could be changed into his image, that could bear his character, his personality to the nations and a building that could act as a spokesperson or a mouthpiece for him, the body of Christ corporately representing him worldwide. This is really amazing. Then verse 6 says, Therefore it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Thank God, thank God, not only were you forgiven when you came to the cross, God canceled your sin debt, God canceled the death curse, but he also removed the shame from your life. Thank God you are justified, you are received in God's presence, you are reckoned righteous in his sight, because you are a part of this living temple of God worldwide. Each one of us is an individual stone a living stone, but one stone by itself can't provide a habitation for God that is suitable. 
It takes the corporate body of Christ, and there's 2.6 billion people in the world that profess to be Christians. Now, only God knows how many have truly been born again, but that's a huge number of people. So there's millions upon millions of living stones in this edifice worldwide, this corporate temple of God. The Old Testament temple provides a picture of the New Testament temple that has many revelations associated with it. For instance, the quarry where they got the stones was far away from the temple site, and they would cut the stones out and then bring them to the temple site to erect this building for the glory of God. And you and I, at one point, were far away from God, but we can trace our heritage much further back than our physical birth. In fact, let me take you to Isaiah 51, verse 1, where the prophet Isaiah says, Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from whence you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Well, what does that refer to? Look to the rock from whence you were hewn? Well, Jesus is the eternal rock. God is our rock. You find that over and over in Scripture. He's called the rock of ages. And in eternity past, he always has had that nature, that rock-solid, dependable, faithful nature that the rock of ages has. And we were, in a sense, cut out of him because we were chosen in him from the foundation of the world. And just like he is a stone that the builders rejected, but he came the, became the chief cornerstone. So we are stones cut out by the purpose of God, the will of God from the very beginning of his plan in order to erect a temple for his glory worldwide. Isn't that amazing? Now, again, let's go back. Let's visit this Old Testament temple to see how it foreshadowed the New Testament temple of God. There were three chambers to the temple, the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. And in each one of those places, there were pieces of furniture. There were two uh, primary pieces of furniture in the tabernacle of Moses in the outer court. You had the altar of sacrifice and the labor. But in the temple of Solomon, that increased because you did have just one altar of sacrifice, but you had you had a huge basin of water that held 15,000 gallons of water, and it was, it was surrounded by 10 lavers. And they were each used with 300 gallons of water apiece to cleanse the sacrifices. The larger container was used to cleanse the priests, and the smaller containers were used to cleanse the sacrifices. So the outer court was a place of cleansing and a place of forgiveness and redemption. The altar of sacrifice was where the blood sacrifices were offered up. That's the outer court. And then the holy place was where three pieces of furniture were located. You had in the tabernacle of Moses, just one menorah lampstand that increased in the temple of Solomon to 10 golden lampstands, 10 menorah lampstands, then you also had 10 tables of shoebread or showbread 
in the temple of Solomon where there were laid 12 loaves of bread on each one of those tables that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. Then you also had an altar of incense. Beyond the veil, though, in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant and all of the items that it contained. How does that represent the body of Christ corporately worldwide? Well, Jesus talked about the fact that when the word is sown into people's lives, even if it's on good ground, it doesn't always reach the highest level of fruitfulness. He said some bring forth 30-fold, some bring forth 60-fold, some bring forth 100-fold. And that kind of connects with the three chambers of the temple, the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. Because there's a lot of Christians that just spend the majority of their time, their walk with God in this world, in the outer court, dealing with the sin nature, dealing with temptations, dealing with conflicts and problems in this world, and they're constantly in need of cleansing. They're constantly in need of repenting and getting back right with God and struggling with the lower nature. They live in the outer court. That's kind of like the 30-fold area. But then there are those who live in the holy place. And remember, it's called the holy place because they go beyond just dealing with the lower nature and their passion is to live a holy life. And they live in that holy place where their lives are illuminated by the menorah that represents the word of God. Because the Bible said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, in the outer court, you have the labors that provide cleansing for the sacrifices. And you have the larger container of water that provided water to cleanse the priest, but it's all about cleansing. And the word of God does provide cleansing for us. Certain portions of the word provide cleansing for us. Uh, The scripture says in Ephesians chapter five, we are washed by the water of the word. We are cleansed by the washing of water by the word of God. But when you live in the holy place, the word of God now becomes an illuminating thing in your life. You're illuminated concerning the deeper revelations of God's word. You don't just go to the word of God so that you can overcome certain temptations and trials. You go to the word of God for insight, illumination, enlightenment concerning the nature of God, the identity of God, your identity in this world, your purpose in this world. That's what the lampstand represents. And then in the holy place, you also have the tables of showbread. And that was unleavened bread. And leaven speaks of sin, so unleavened bread speaks of a sin-free life. And it was called the bread of presence and the bread of face because it was laid before the face of God in the presence of God as if to supply God with something that would nourish his hunger, that would satisfy his hunger for fellowship with human beings. And so if we live in the holy place, if we're part of that group that's gone beyond the veil into the holy place, into this deeper walk with God, then our mindset is going to be not just about God meeting our needs, but you and I meeting God's need to fellowship with him, to commune with him, to be like bread satisfying the hunger of his heart, to commune with the sons and daughters of Adam. 
And then there's also the altar of incense in the holy place. And that gets really powerful because incense only emits its odor and it only functions correctly when it's lit with fire. And the fire that was used to light the incense came from the altar of sacrifice. But the unique thing about it, that was not an earthly fire at the dedication of the temple. Literal supernatural fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifices. And they were told never to let that fire go out. So that was holy fire. That was divine fire. That was God fire burning on the altar of sacrifice that purges us from sin. And that was the fire used to light the incense. And incense represents prayerfulness. David said, let my prayer be like incense because incense smoke can curl around and go into the Holy of Holies. And the priest that ministered in the holy place could not go into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could go there one time a year. And see, that represents the fact that our high priest has ascended to a heavenly sphere and we can't go there physically. But our on-fire intercession, our on-fire prayer life and worshipfulness toward God that is lit with the fire of the Holy Spirit can ascend beyond the veil into eternity, into the presence of God. And then in the Holy of Holies, and notice it's the holiest of all, is the Ark of the Covenant. And so that's the goal of our lives corporately as the body of Christ. There's some who live in the outer court. There's some who live in the holy place, but there's some who go on into the holy of holies. And that's where you produce a hundredfold, a maximum manifestation of your calling. The Bible says that we reach for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. And that's the 100% full manifestation of your potential and your purpose. That's only going to happen if you're one of those living stones that is a part of the Holy of Holies. What's in there? The Ark of the Covenant. Notice the word covenant. A covenant is a binding agreement between two or more parties, each binding himself to fulfill certain obligations. A covenant is a very sacred thing. It's a very holy thing. You bind yourself in a holy commitment to God and bind, and God binds himself to you in a holy commitment. He says to you, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And then in like manner, you should respond and I should respond saying, Lord, with your help, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I'm committed to you for my entire life. That's covenant relationship. In the Ark of the Covenant were three items. You had the golden bowl full of manna. There was the tablets of stone written on with the handwriting of God. And there was also a rod, Aaron's rod, that came to life and brought forth blossoms and leaves and the fruit of the almond tree, the almond itself. And so it was a dead stick that came back to life. Well, if the Ark of the Covenant is now, in a spiritual sense, a symbolic sense, inside of us, if we are God's dwelling place, we are God's temple, and we're body, soul, and spirit. So the body is the outer court, the soul is the holy place, the spirit is the holy of holies. And if we're spiritual-minded people that are living in the holy of holies, 
in a spiritual symbolic sense, the Ark of the Covenant is in us. And if that be true, and it is, then those items that are in the Ark represent certain things that are in us, in our heart of hearts. God has written his law in our hearts, just like he wrote the law on tablets of stone. And that was something irremovable. He didn't write with ink. He engraved the law in tablets of stone, and he has engraved his law in our hearts. And the law contains 613 commandments in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, it contains 1,050 commandments. And if God has written his law in our hearts, we love to fulfill those commandments. And that's part of living in the Holy of Holies, the holiest place you can live in as a child of God. Next, there was a golden bowl full of manna. And that also represents the Word of God. There's three representations of the Word of God. Water in the molten sea in the outer court and in the labors that surrounded it. And then light in the holy place from the menorah lampstand. Both of those were symbolic of the Word of God. Different aspects of the Word of God. But the golden bowl full of manna is living bread coming down from heaven. To me, that represents not just the written word of God, but the living word of God. That's living bread, living manna that comes down from heaven. That's God speaking to you and guiding you and revealing the deep things of God to you. If you're living in the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant is within, if you're one of those hundredfold kind of Christians that has reached the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, then you're going to be guided through life and you're going to be sustained and nourished by that deeper revelation of the Word of God. And it will be not only the logos, the written word, but the rhema, the living word. We've covered two of the items in the Ark the tablets of stone, and the golden bowl full of manna. But what about Aaron's rod that budded? Aaron was verified or validated as the high priest by that happening to his rod. And the high priest was the one that could enter into the Holy of Holies. And our high priest has entered into the Holy of Holies on high and welcomes us to come in with him. See? And he raises us from death to life, just like that rod was a dead stick that was laid up before the Lord in the tabernacle of Moses, and it came to life and brought forth blossoms and almonds. So also you and I were dead in trespasses and sins, but we were presented to God at a certain point in our life. Resurrection life got in us, and God resurrected us into a fruit-bearing state from a fruitless past. Thank God. And the almond has a, a beautiful revelation attached to it. Because the Hebrew word translated almond means the awakening one. Because the almond tree blossoms in the winter, while all the other trees and plants are dead from the cold of winter, the almond tree is the one who awakens to life first. And that's why the very word that is given to that tree and that nut means the awakening one. Well, if you and I are living in the Holy of Holies, could we be the means of God bringing another awakening to this world that we are coming awake to the things of God before the spring 
bursts forth before the majority of others are awakened. It's like we become the remnant that is awakened first because we're living in the Holy of Holies and we're sent by God into this world to bring a spiritual awakening to others. So we've covered the first portion of this revelation from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. What it is to be living stones and what it is to be a spiritual house. And that's both an individual calling and a corporate calling. Because the living house, the spiritual house, worldwide is made up of the entire body of Christ. But you're also a temple of God on an individual basis. So you should make this a matter of study. Go deeper into it. Figure out what it really means to be a living stone in the wall that provides a temple for God to dwell in. And by the way, if you're in the wall, you're a support to some body that's above you. So be a strength to someone else who's in the wall today. Hold them up, uphold them with the word of God and with your encouragement. We're living stones that build up a spiritual house. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.